the Bible Study Podcast, episode 264. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of 2 Samuel with chapter 23. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Well, we're st- well, we are certainly wrapping up 2 Samuel. This is the second to the last chapter, and it's David's last words. These are the last words of David. The inspired utterance of David, son of Jesse, the utterance of the man exalted by the Most High, the man anointed by the God of Jacob, the hero of Israel's songs. I'm going to assume that those first two sentences, even though they're in quotes, are not actually what David said as his last words, but his last words start here. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The Rock of Israel said to me, when one rules over people in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, he is like the light of morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning, like the brightness after rain that brings grass from the earth. If my house were not right with God, surely he would not have made me an everlasting covenant, arranged and secured in every part. Surely he would not bring to fruition my salvation and grant me my every desire. But evil men are all to be cast aside like thorns, which are not gathered with the hand. Whoever touches thorns uses a tool of iron or the shaft of a spear. They are burned up where they lie." So what is it that David is trying to tell us at this point? One is that God has spoken through him. And certainly if we read the Psalms, it's clearly evident that God was communicating to David. If not, that David was hearing his voice, that David's heart was aligned with God's, at least most of the time. And as we know, David also had his failings, including things like adultery and murder. So he had some pretty big failings. But David spent a lot of his life really trying to do what God wanted and really trying to be faithful. And so he has this picture here of the one who rules over people in righteousness, like the light of morning at sunrise, this image of light, that they bring light to things, that they bring light to things. And light, as we know, brings healing, light brings life. And the the ruler who rules in righteousness really is bringing life to his people. And then contrary to that is obviously the ruler who does not rule in righteousness is not bringing that life. So he's bringing like brightness after the rain that brings grass from the earth. There's a, there is a healthy, good sort of associated with this. Now, it would have been well if those who will follow after David would heed his words, because as we say, Solomon is going to be a wise ruler. He's going to make some big mistakes, but he's going to be a wise ruler. He's going to build the temple. And then really after that, we're going to get Josiah the reformer and Jehoshaphat, and that's really about it. Those are going to be all the good rulers in hundreds of years, and those are going to be both rulers from Judah. Israel is going to rebel against Judah not that long after David's death, just after Solomon's death, so one generation later, and he's not going to have a single single ruler who will rule in righteousness, not a single ruler who will rule who is faithful to God. So it would be well if they had thought of that. It would be well if they had remembered David's words. Because as David pointed out, if my house were not right with God, surely he wouldn't have made a covenant with me and he wouldn't have granted my every desire. Now, why is he granting David's desires? Because David has aligned his heart to God's. And I think that's part of when it says that those who... When it talks about that the Lord will give us the desires of our heart, I think part of that is that 
when God changes us to align our desires with his, well, then certainly we're going to get the desires of our heart because he's going to do what brings him glory. He's going to do what he desires to do. So I don't always think that that's something where we're changing God's mind so much as God is changing our heart. And he's saying evil men will be cast away like thorns that you don't even want to touch. Basically, you gather them with an iron tool. And so David is recommending here, and especially for rulers, that they put righteousness first, that they are first right with God. And I think that is something that is useful for us to remember is that our first and most important relationship is our relationship with God. And then all of our other relationships come into alignment, that they come into a correct relationship only after that first relationship is in good shape. And that's our marriages, that's our friendships, that's our relationships with our children, with our parents, with our co-workers, that basically that first and most important relationship that affects all of those others is our relationship with God. And that is more true if you find yourself in a situation of power as a king would have, because a king is going to have even more temptation, What did Lord Acton say? Power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And certainly the kings in these days are going to be absolute rulers. And then we get a list of all of the people who helped David, David's mighty warriors. These are the names of David's mighty warriors. Josheb Bashabeth, a Takamanite, was the chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Next to him was Eleazar of Dodai, the Ahoite. As one of the three mighty warriors, he was with David when the, he taunted the Philistines gathered at Pas Damin for battle. Then the Israelites retreated, but Eleazar stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only to strip the dead. Next to him was Shema, the son of Agri, the Herorite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them, but Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down, and the Lord brought about a great victory. During the harvest time, three of the thirty chief warriors came down to David at the cave of Adullam, while a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephaim. At that time, David was in the stronghold, and the Philistine garrison was at Bethlehem. David longed for water and said, Oh, that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. So the three mighty warriors broke through the Philistine lines, drew water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem, and carried it back to David. But he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it on the ground before the Lord. Far be it from me, Lord, to do this, he said. Is it not the blood of men who went at the risk of their lives? And David would not drink it. Such were the exploits of the three mighty warriors. Abishai, the brother of Johab, son of Zariah, was the chief of the three. He raised his spear against 300 men whom he killed, and so he became as famous as the three. Was he not held in greater honor than the three? He became their commander, even though he was not included among them. Benaiah, son of Jehoiada, a valiant warrior from Kabzil, performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. And he struck down a huge Egyptian. Although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Benaiah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Benaiah, son of Jehoiada. He too was as famous as the three mighty warriors. 
He was held in greater honor than any of the thirty, but he was not included among the three, and David put him in charge of his bodyguard. Among the thirty were Ashal, the brother of Joab, Elhanah, the son of Dodo from Bethlehem, Shema, the Herodite, Elikah, the Herodite, Helez, the Peltite, Ira, the son of Ikesh from Tekoa, Abizer, the son of Anathoth, Shebekai, the Hushethite, Zalman, the Ohite, Maharai, the Nephethite, Heled, the son of Benah, the Nephethite, Eli, the son of Ribai from Gelbia in Benjamin, Beniah, the Pirithonite, Hidai from the ravines of Gash, Abi Alban, the Abrathite, Asmaveth, the Barhamite, Eliba, the Shalbanite, the sons of Jashen, Jonathan, son of Shemah, the Hararite, Ahiah, the son of Shirah, the Hararite, Elephalet, the son of Ashbai, the Machathite, Elohim, the son of Ahithophel, the Gilanite, Herzo, the Carmelite, Pariah, the Arbite, Egal, the son of Nathan from Jobah, the son of Hagri, Zelech, the Ammonite, Nerohai, the Birathite, armor-bearer of Joab and son of Zeruiah, Ira, the Ithrite, Gareb, the Ithrite, and Uriah, the Hittite. There were 37 in all. So there's a couple interesting things to note from this. One is the names are very hard to say. Two is one of the most interesting names in there is Uriah the Hittite. Remember, Uriah the Hittite is the one who David had killed because he had gotten his wife pregnant. Uriah wasn't just one of the people who served David. He was one of the best people who served David. And we really didn't get to find that out here until the second to the last chapter of this book. The other thing that I think is very interesting is most of these names, even though we've gotten to this far in the book, were not familiar to us. Uh, They were not familiar. They were hard to say. In fact, this isn't an easy chapter to read because we didn't remember these names. These aren't names that have come down to us on the tip of our tongues. But these are some of the people that made David as successful as he was. And we get the three who are mentioned first. And some of their great victories are mentioned in detail in terms of what they had done and how many they had struck down and how mighty they were. And then we get the 30 here at the end, who number more than 30, who we don't even get to hear exactly what they did But they stood out. The people knew them as these special mighty warriors. And one of the interesting things is how many different place names, how many different people names, how many different tribes, or even names that are not associated with different tribes are mentioned here. And the reason that I bring that out is that David is of the tribe of Judah. And so we have Bethlehemites, and they would be people of the tribe of Judah. But we have people of the tribe of Naphtali. We have people of the tribe of Benjamin. We have people who aren't even Israeli, like Uriah the Hittite. I think one of the biggest needs that any people have, and especially the people of God, is leadership. And I think as David provided leadership, he drew to him these mighty warriors. He drew to him people with a heart like he had. And he drew to them from many different places, including people who weren't even his own people. And yet you remember Uriah, for instance, who we read a little more about how much he became that his heart was Israelite and how he didn't even want to go in back and sleep with his wife because his men were out there fighting and he felt guilty not being with them. And so 
we get this leadership of David, and I think we'll still see that when we have people who will step up to be leaders, who will step up and have an example of courage, have an example of faith, have an example of stewardship, have an example of servanthood, that people will gather around them who have a heart like they have. And I think that part of the reason that we sometimes are lacking in those things in our churches, in our in the people of God, is that someone doesn't realize they're the one who needs to step up and set an example. And I think it starts with one person who steps up and sets an example. We had a really touching moment in a recent church service for us because there is a organization in our local city. I live in uh, Cupertino or near Cupertino, California. And at our church, they're working with a series of churches that are trying to do some homeless shelters that is rotating between various churches. One church will take care of it for a month and then it will move on to another church. And they're trying to take care of 15 men and not just provide them a place to sleep, but also try and help them get back into society. These are quite often people who have just had a string of hard luck, people who may have a profession and, you know, have lost their job and things like that, uh, 15 men. And one of the children in our congregation went and visited the place where the men were sleeping last November and saw that a number of them were sleeping on the floor. We didn't even have cots for them. And this child was moved to raise money to buy cots. And when I say a child, I'm talking about somebody who is younger ages of elementary school. So I'm not talking about somebody who is even eight years old, probably. And he gets money for his chores. He gets a nickel a chore. And he saved up, he and his brother saved up $300 to buy three cots for these people. And I think at that point, when you see someone do that, and when you see someone even that young who steps up and takes and does what needs to be done, who has a heart of ministry, that you can't help but be changed by that example. And I think that's what David has done here is David, as he showed the courage from Goliath on forward, has gathered around him people who had a heart like David had. And I think One of the reasons I want to pause over this obscure passage here is I think we are called to have a heart of service like David and a heart of faithfulness, and I think we are called to be that example wherever God has put us. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. One more chapter to go on this book. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Hey, Ted, what do you want to do today? Well, Ashley, I've always got uh, work to do, naps to take. But I have a better idea. How about we invite everyone to listen to the Team Us podcast? I love that idea. Let's do it right now. Hi, everyone. We're Ted and Ashley Slater, and we'd love for you to join us as we talk about teamwork in marriage. We share how grace, commitment, and cooperation can help couples live the everyday moments of marriage together. To listen, go to lifeaudio.com and search for Team Us.